Yes, sir. The music means it's go time and it's double bangs because it's playoff season. What up, Breen? <laughs> Bang! <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, there's going to be a lot of bangs over the next couple of weeks because the playoffs are heating up. Welcome to another edition of the Out of My League podcast. I'm Justin. I'm Deshaun. And as always, we are here to give you the latest sports takes, debates, updates, and of course, the news, news, news. What up, man? Man, look, basketball all weekend. Bro, what? <laughs> Who are you telling? From the play-in to Pat Bev jumping on the table. Bruh, he thought he was Kobe, bro. I, th- I thought he was D-Wade. Yeah, was like, <laughs> he threw his jersey in the yeah, crowd. I think they threw it back. crying. I was like, dog, <laughs> did you win a title? Bro, you scored seven <laughs> points. Put your jersey back on. Don't nobody want that. You scored seven <laughs> points. Put your jersey on and go to the locker room. <laughs> what are you doing? It's the play-in. <laughs> he started crying, bro. Way too emotional, and I get it. Cat over there the, the, kissing his girlfriend. Bro, uh, I'm like, dog. Come on. Come on. <laughs> what are y'all doing? Come on, man. They Andy, want it all. Anthony Edwards lifting his jersey up. I'm like, bro, like, you going to strip on the court now? <laughs> what, what? What's going on? What are we doing? Bro. Like. Like, what are we doing, man? Jersey and the Raptors. Bro, bro literally, yeah. <laughs> retire it. Retire it. Pat Bev Hall of Fame. Bro. It was that, unbelievable. That, that was a wild, <laughs> just a wild game, man. For them to yeah. beat the Clippers, that that was good. That was good. They came back. I thought Cat played a horrible game, he too. Did. I feel like he sold the team short. I yeah. feel like he just didn't want to be there. Like <laughs> I was like, yo, what are you doing? Like, you just giving up. He was terrible. Yeah, he was awful. And then... <laughs> The next game, Pelicans versus the Clippers. Paul George, you have already missed three-fourths of the season, and you got some nerve to catch COVID. The day of the game. At a time like this, Pandemic P (laughs) is your name again. You are literally Pandemic P. That man has some nerve. To void my parlay. <laughs> sick. He is sick. Oh, literally. You, oh, you put it in before the day of? Yes. Oh. Yes. Void I, it. I always do mine the day of. That's he crazy. a loser, bro. Like, like, he is a loser, and your team is a loser. It didn't matter because neither of y'all are going to beat the Suns. Like, the Pelicans aren't going to beat the Suns. No. We know. That, I think the Suns going to sweep them. Yeah. 4-0 sweep. We're, we're seeing that. But we're going to get into basketball later because today is episode two of our three-part series of the NFL pre-draft breakdown. And last week, we gave all the wide outs, the explosive outside receivers. So today, it's only right that we, you know, come back with the defense. Got to ask somebody at Straps University. Shout out to Florida State. We will not be talking about y'all today, unfortunately, because <laughs> y'all were not Straps U this year. We suck, man. Good Lord. <laughs> I'm just reliving how garbage we were. <laughs> His replaying in your bruh, mind. <laughs> bro, we've, we've had such dominant DBs yeah. over the years, and it's like this year, we was just giving it up to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it was open season back there. Oh, man. But, yeah, man, we have a great, great guest for you guys today. We are bringing it in with Andrew DeCecco, reporter and producer from InsideTheBirds.com to talk DBs. Andrew, what's good with you? Hey, Andrew, what's going on, man? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Good to be with you. Appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, Last year, I know our viewers had really high praise for you, uh, spotting out corners and safeties for us last year, so we really appreciate you coming on again. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm glad that the listeners enjoyed it, and hopefully we can dive in and uh, be a little bit more, uh, be even more accurate this year. Yeah, man. Uh, so let's let's get right into it. Tell me, um, and there's a lot of conversation going on with the top safety in this class and Kyle Hamilton. What's your evaluation of him? And do you think that he is a blue chip top 10 player? Well, he's an interesting player, to be honest with you, because 
I do, I do envision him being a top 10 player and I view him as a top 10 player, but he's sort of a, a unicorn in that he's so versatile. He's six foot four, 220 pounds. He's this oversized safety yeah. with, with these unicorn traits. And he's, you know, he can do a lot of different things. When you look at what the NFL, the direction that the NFL is trending, it's really trending in these sort of hybrid safety linebacker type guys that can mirror these hybrid or these uh, dynamic pass catching tight ends and running backs out of the backfield. And I think that he is the prototypical size speed guy that you want if you're a team to sort of plug and play against some of these guys like your Travis Kelsey's and, and, and so on and so forth, your Dallas Goddard's, what have you. But I mean, he's very versatile. He's he's very he's improved his tackling. I think he, he's he's a finisher. He's very uh, but then there's some things that you look at and you're like, yeah, is you know, do you worry about the stiffness and yeah. and his short area burst? I'm not one of those guys, to be honest with you. I think that the the tape shows what he's able to do, and I think if you're an NFL team and you see the way the league's trending, you're going to value a player with his skill set. While we're on Hamilton, we're gonna we're gonna jump to another versatile safety as well, and Daxton Hill who is that kind of safety corner uh, mixture. He played really, you know, all over the place from Michigan. What's your evaluation of him? And do you vision him like, and I know you cover the Eagles as well, of an Avante Maddox type player? Wow, that's a really interesting one. He's a, he's an interesting prospect to study because he does have some size to him. He's yeah. six foot, 191 pounds. I believe, and he's that he's this hybrid guy. I actually see him being able to be more of a corner, kind of like you mentioned, Avante Maddox, yeah. more so than than settling in as a safety. Especially when if you're going to be drafting him in the first round, corner usually gets the uh, you know you're gonna if you draft the player in the first round, if they're not going to be a a blue chip guy, you're going to do it for a corner. I think in order to maximize his skill set, that's ultimately what he's going to be able to do. He's rangy, very fluid hips, explosive. He closes very quickly. One of the best all-around defensive backs in the draft, obviously, Jalen Petrie from Baylor is up in that conversation as well. I was about to ask you about him next, so I'm glad you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, very very versatile player and someone that I sort of envision being more of a corner at the next level, Hmm. but I think he's going to pay immediate dividends. Nice, nice. And you mentioned corner a lot, so I want to talk about the corners here. Now, we know that Sauce Gardner, Derek Stingley Jr., among the top of that list. Which one would you take if you had a first-round pick, an early first-round pick? Which one of those two would you take and why? And this is an issue. This is another interesting one because Derek Sting was sort of gotten lost in the sauce, so to speak, throughout this whole draft. <laughs> I see process. what you did there. And I did there. And I was actually just on a just on a radio show uh, a little bit ago. And one of the things that I said, if you're if you're the Eagles and you see the Carolina Panthers sitting there at six, mm-hmm. would you make that trade? And I said yes. And the only player that I would do that for, if I'm the Eagles, would be Sauce Gardner, knowing their cornerbacks, their dire cornerback situation opposite Darius Slay. Sauce Gardner is the closest thing that you're going to find as a polished plug and play day one starter, six foot three, 190 pounds, four four speed, very confident. He's got the long limbs, and he's he ha- he just oozes perennial All Pro upside, in my opinion. Very physical uh, in his hand usage. It's striking at the line of scrimmage. He, he's elevated his performance. You know, a lot of people like to knock the you know I went to Cincinnati, yeah. but if you look at the games that he played. He elevated his performance, in my opinion, against some of the upper echelon talent or what have you. And I, I think he, he's just a very technically sound player and someone that is going to pay immediate dividends, as I already alluded to. And I think he offers the the highest upside out of all the corners in this draft class. Wow. That is, you know what? And I totally agree with your evaluation of Sauce Gardner. Just look back at what he did with Jameson Williams, how he kind of pressed him to the outside. And, you know, he ha- he held Jameson in check for most of that game if you go back and look at it. Mm-hmm. I feel Absolutely. like he, had, yeah, he battled with and, and, and him. Yeah, and this is coming from, you know, Jameson Williams, who I view as the top receiver in this draft class. That's the, uh, you automatically go, I automatically go back to that game film, like you mentioned, and how he fared in that matchup. And that right there should be a ringing endorsement for any NFL team if you ever had any doubts. Agreed, agreed. We're going to stick to corner right now. And I I love this corner I'm bringing up. He fell, he's fell down the, the draft boards a little bit. Uh, due to injuries and things like that, he's not really working out in the pre-draft process. Andrew Booth, I feel like his ball yeah. skills are exceptional. I feel like his footwork and all things tackling, I just feel like he's a really, really good cornerback, but he's just not yeah. getting the love of a Stingley Jr. or a Sauce Gardner. 
You're 100% spot on with that assessment. And, and something I've also mentioned uh, either on a podcast or a radio spot that I, I just think that he's getting criminally overlooked. Agreed. And we're talking about a, an immensely talented player who I feel is might even he's right up there with Stingley when you're looking at Sauce Gardner at one. And you, know, you can make a case for Andrew Booth because when I see him, he can play press. Yeah. He can play press zone. He's tough. He's smart. He has the, the requisite fluidity in his hips mm -hmm. and the ability to run with rece receivers of all shapes and sizes. Obviously, he's become a bit of an afterthought given his his injuries and, and, and uh, it's just his ability to have to sit out or the unfortunate situation where he's had to sit out uh, throughout a lot of these drills when a lot of his his uh his contemporaries are getting these accolades i think that andrew booth has become an afterthought and it's unfortunate because i think he's ready to play from day one and step right in Flu fluid player great ball skills smart player and very instinctive so i think that you know smart teams aren't going to overlook him yeah. and i think he's going to be a great value for someone sitting right there probably in the middle and probably around 15 to 20 i would say yeah, I think he's a top 15 pick all day long. I feel like, especially in this draft class, which is really weird. It's a really weird class, to be honest. I, I just feel like he's right up there. Like, he could be a top 15 pick all day long. But the pre-draft process is really hurting him. Yeah, then, you know, you. I think you, we mentioned Javon Holland on this show yep. last year. Yeah. And, yeah, well, Andrew Booth's one of the guys that I wanted to make a mention of. I wanted to be sure that we touched on because someone that I, I, I had uh, very graded very highly, and I haven't wavered from that. And I really like what he brings to the table from my complete skill set standpoint. And I think that he has an NFL-ready traits and uh, an upside, and I think he's going to be a tremendous value for some team. Agreed. Talk to us about Trent McDuffie and what you really think about him out of Washington because he battled this year and he played some great games, but he's also, you know, one of those who are kind of in the mid -tier, the middle tier pack behind the, the Stingleys, the Gardeners. So how do you really feel about him and his evaluation? Yeah, and I, I've seen some people equate his, his sort of uh, profile to – Jair Alexander, which, I mean, that's high praise. Yeah, that's, very, that's, high praise. that's very high praise. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Jair is one of the best corners in football and pretty much stepped right in and was making plays from day one. Now, when you look at someone like Trent McDuffie at 5'11", I believe maybe about 190, 195, mm -hmm. very short arms, uh, 29 and three-quarter inch. That's that's a, that's incredibly short. Yeah. Uh, he has the, explosive, the, the explosiveness and the short area quickness that you like and the experience, but... Was he really tested with some premier talent? I can't say that he was. No. And so there's question marks there. You worry about the size that may limit him. He's going to struggle against mm -hmm. the DK Metcalfs of the NFL. True. So if you're looking at a first round investment, thought I was making the pick. He would be somebody that I would be a little bit, I would waver a little bit whether or not you want to invest significant draft capital in bringing him in because you just don't know how that's going to sort of lend itself over the course of a career. I think he's going to be limited in what he's able to do and his ceiling just based on his skill set and, and, and size. Yeah, you know, it's funny because the smaller receivers in his class are the junkyard dogs. Like, I just feel like the guys like a Trent McDuffie, a Roger McCreary, those guys are junkyard dogs where they're just – they're at you. They're consistently at you. And, you know, while we're talking about both Trent McDuffie and Roger McCreary, let's let's compare these guys. Like, What's your comps for both of these guys? Because you're right. You're absolutely I don't have uh, Trent McDuffie as a top 15 to 20 pick in this in, in my personal estimation. I also don't have Roger McCreary as a top 20 pick. So if, if you're you know, if you're a GM, who's your who's your comp and what's your evaluation of both? And how do you size them up against each other? Man, that's that's a tough one. Um, I don't know. For McDuffie, he sort of reminds me of like a Kenny Moore, and Kenny Moore is a player yeah. that I really like as far as just the football IQ, toughness, tenacity, short area quickness. Uh, you know, he's not necessarily a household name, but I, I would say that he has sort of some of his similar int intangibles. Obviously, if you're drafting McDuffie in the first round, you're looking for a higher upside, of course. But off the top of my head, that's somebody that I certainly don't envision him being anywhere close to a Jair Alexander. McCreary, to me, I haven't really given much thought for, for a comp to him, but I feel a little bit more secure in drafting him knowing that he went up against all the elite talent. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about he, he's someone that's very competitive, very confident in, in his, you know, in his technique mm -hmm. and has a short memory 
and very scrappy and he will get after it. You, you you can have confidence knowing that, you know, he played at Auburn. You can kind of put him out there. He's going to be competitive from day one. You don't necessarily have to worry about him going, him having to refine his skill set and things of that nature. Yeah, I thought McCrary, you know, when we're talking about, you know, Auburn and Alabama, we're going back to Jameson Williams with this. Auburn, Alabama, you know about that, the Iron Bowl. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And he, he played Jameson Williams as tough as you could play him. And... You know, and sometimes even John Mechie at times. So, you know, I look at Roger McCrary, smaller build, but he has that almost Asante Samuel-like edge to him. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to be at you. Yeah, no, that's fair. And and Asante Samuel was that annoying and he was and he was always there and he yeah. let you know that he was there and he was, you know, very chatty and and chippy and you know, all the all the things that you want in a DB because you know, I, I I was joking with somebody on 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 Draft Dreams and I said, you know, everyone thinks that wide receivers are are the are these uh you know, they have all this, this big personality and they do, but I think the DBs have that bravado, yeah. have more, more of a, even of a bravado than the wide receivers. So, and he's one of those guys that sort of embodies that mindset. Agreed. I wanted to bring up Kyrie Elam because you've been speaking on, sure. you know, team players that have been playing elite level talent. So he's at Florida. So he's obviously playing against some premier talent as well. How do you feel about him and where do you think he fits, you know, in this draft class? Yeah, very physical player. Someone that really hasn't gotten he's sort of been under discussed, I would say, but he's just short uh just shy of six two, uh, about one ninety-five. He's long, he's very physical, sometimes almost grabby at, you know, he's almost too grabby at times. Aggressive at the catch point, good at rerouting receivers to the line of scrimmage. You would like to see him be a little bit more technically sound throughout the entirety of the route. Um, I think he gives up a little bit more ground than he probably should. And, you know, but he also he's always in his receiver's hip pocket. He's very aware of the sideline, uses that as his friend. But sometimes with when I look at him and the way that the NFL is and they're closely calling, they're they're so closely officiated now. You wonder how his skill set and his his style of play is going to translate to the NFL today. Agreed, agreed. And we we we're going to switch back to safeties now, and we're going to we got like four more players. I know I'm I'm not going to keep you this whole time. So we're going to talk about you know somebody that you went to their pro day and Jaquan Brisker out of Penn State. Oh yeah, yeah man, I I was there specifically to see him. Uh, and Jahan Dotson was the guy that really stole the show. But nevertheless, I mean, you're talking about Jaquan Brisker, someone who was a fluid mover, has great size. Really reminds me more of like a of a Malcolm Jenkins type of player. Hmm. He can play the post, he can play the box, he can play the slot. Yeah. You know, he tack- He's gotten better with his tackling. He tackles with a purpose. I think the game's starting to slow down for him a little bit. Um, I, I think he's a leader. He's his footwork was very on point. Good eye discipline. I really like him. I think he's going to be in play for Philadelphia at 51 if he lasts that long. I thought for a minute there, I thought thought for a minute there he was going to, you know, get into that late first round conversation. I don't know that 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 happens. But I mean, very versatile player. And I think that he continuously has proven that he's getting better each season. So that's very encouraging when you're an NFL team looking to get him into a system. Agree. You know, when you talk about egos, my ears are going to perk up. And I, I, from the reporting that's around it, and you could confirm it because you were there, Jonathan Gannon was there as well, right? I was the one that reported that, yeah. Yeah, okay, there you go. There you go. <laughs> per- perfect. So I, I, I can okay. confirm. <laughs> All right, talk to me a little bit about, about Lewis Seen out of Georgia. How are you feeling about him and where you think he stands amongst the safeties in this class? Yeah, yeah, I really like Lewis Seen. I think I like him a little bit better than Brisker. Hmm. 6'2" little bit leaner than you would than you would think watching him play i mean he's a very physical downhill player willing yep. tackler yep. uh you, you wonder about his range a little bit ability to to cover that 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 deep area of the field but i mean when when you just look at i mean he plays the game very physical with a mean streak yeah and he he's always you know he comes through with bad intentions I think that was something I mentioned on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I like that term. I love and, and people I that come he, through with bad intentions. Yeah, <laughs> I love and players I, that I, come I, through with bad intentions. I, I think I said that about Javon Holland, but I mean, Seen is a player that I think that you want on your defense. He's going to, uh, I, I think his personality, his playing style rubs off on guy, on, on players and yeah. his demeanor. And he's a guy that you want on the back end. Now, I think 
in order for him to hold up at the NFL level, he's going to have to add some size and develop his play strength in order to, you know, to really be able to play the game that he was able to do it at play at Georgia. But uh, obviously now it's going to be amplified, you know, times 10. So I think you you know what you're going to get with him, but I think the understanding needs to be, okay, we need you to, to develop your play strength and add some size so you can hold up. Agreed. Agreed. Last three players, and you can do kind of rapid fire with these guys. One of these guys you did a story on, Nick Cross from Maryland. You know, I'm from Maryland, so, you know, UMD. And Brian Cook from Cincy, Kirby Joseph from Illinois. Sure. Starting with Nick Cross. Kirby Joseph. Okay, we'll start with Nick Cross. So, uh, so, uh, Nick Cross, great size. I believe he's 6'2", and very very athletic. I think that he can do everything that you want to do. I think he's very scheme versatile. He can get him into any system, and I think he's going to be a contributor. Definitely a core special teamer right away. I think think he's a very sharp, astute football mind and very high IQ, processes quickly, and just a well-rounded player. I don't know if he starts right away, but I do think that he could step in and be a third safety, a quality third safety right off the bat, and an early special teams contributor. Really like him. Kirby Joseph is a player that I I really liked early in the process, but then when you really start diving into his tape, you see the inexperience, right? I mean, he was only a a one-year starter, and you know, but he did have five interceptions last year, so you, you have to dive in there and you see some of his uh he's a very little sometimes will be a little slow to process mm-hmm. in my opinion yeah uh he's just a little late to the party sometimes and and i think that when you're when you're an nfl team and you, if you're drafting him you're drafting him knowing that yeah this guy might not be ready to step in right away but he does have some intriguing traits that we could work with and develop yeah. but he's still learning the game guys i think it's i think he last year everything came at him pretty quickly and it's going to be amplified again we mentioned Nick cross and we amplified times 10 mm-hmm. this year so um I, th- I think that he's someone that's going to take a little bit of time but he's going to be another again core special teams guy um he's he's actually very good in space so there's not a, there's not a lot. I mean, the tape on him is brief, but what you've seen is very encouraging. Gotcha. And last one, Brian Cook, who I actually think is a really good player. Yes, I'm glad you mentioned Brian Cook. Former corner, by the way, former cornerback. Mm. Uh, I look at him and I see a tone setter on the back end, yeah. very physical. A guy that is going to sort of galvanize that secondary. Very tough, gritty. Would really fit well in Philly with his the way that he mm-hmm. plays. You know, um, closes quickly, plays with urgency. There's going to be obviously some questions about his long speed and yeah. and his anticipation, but those are areas that I think that teams can work around and scheme to his strengths because there's a lot of things that he does well. Yeah, um, you just don't obviously he's not someone that I'm I'm sure that I would feel comfortable with isolating one on one at least as a rookie. I think that he's can be a tick slow mm-hmm. on, on on certain reads, but there's a lot to like there with what he's able to bring to the table. I will say this about Brian Cook, and I feel like he's going to be able to contribute as a third safety right away he may be a little slow to process the information that's in front of him and offensive and especially if you're an experienced offensive coordinator you're going to be able to attack him if you try to you know line him up with a receiver but i feel like you know as he as he grows in that role he's going to become a really really good player at the next level yeah, absolutely. That's fair. And again, and unfortunately, the Eagles have put themselves in a corner <laughs> and their backs are against the wall in, in, in which they really need to get a safety that can play right away. And I don't know that Brian Cook is that guy. He's not. They've almost, <laughs> they're, they're, Let's they're, not get carried away. I like uh, him, but right. not that much. <laughs> right. And, and we're putting that nicely. Let's not get carried away. Yeah. He's, a, he's, a, he's a He's a, he's a developmental player, so if he's drafted, understand that he's a work in progress. It, the Eagles, unfortunately, yeah. need a player that can step in right away, like a Brisker or a Lewis Seen or a Kyle Hamilton, even if that's in play. Um, I, really quick, guys, I want to give a quick mention to a corner that I really yeah, like out of Sam sure. Houston State. Uh, he's no longer a sleeper. That, that really, I mean, he, he, he was one of my sleepers, but after the combine, everyone started to take notice. That's Zion McCollum from Sam Houston State. Was fortunate enough to have a great conversation with him on my Draft Dreams podcast. Um, 6'3", ran a 4'3", 6'4", 8'3", cone, um, which I believe was one of the fastest three-cone times. 39.5-inch vertical. It went to the Senior Bowl and held his own there. Obviously, there's going to be questions because he's an FCS corner. But I I just think he does so many things well. Clean footwork, enticing athletic profile, Mm -hmm. patient. He uses his length to shorten, to, to narrow these throwing windows. 
And I mean, he blew the doors off when, when I interviewed him. I can only imagine getting him in a room. If you're an NFL team, you have to come away impressed. I think he's going to be somebody that surprises some some draft, uh, some casual draft fans. I think he's going to go a little earlier than some may envision. Wow. Nice. Uh, look, I appreciate you giving us names that are not exactly on our radar. Uh, we had Teron, uh, you know, Davenport on last week to talk receivers, and he gave us about three or four names that we really, you know, we really didn't discuss that much. Yeah on the show so i'm glad you guys are kind of throwing names out there that we need to go back and now and look at so appreciate that no i'm glad you had Toronto on Toronto's been uh he, he uh he opened the door for me into the journalism world with the eagles wire so he's a great guy very insightful great football yeah. mind he that's that's my guy one of my mentors i met him five six years ago now and you know we've been kind of hitting it off ever since uh he's he's a great great resource for uh growth emory hunt's another one you know him too so it's been good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those, I mean, those right there are, are, are two of the best. And I've had an opportunity to be at different pro days with Emory yeah. and be at uh, the East West Shrine Bowl with Emory a couple times. And just I've learned so much from him and just being around him has made me a, a sharper football mind. And I've been all the better for it. And I, I have such high respect for both of those guys. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, last year we had all three of you guys on separate weeks, obviously, and you guys broke down different position groups. And it's going to be the same way this year. Run it back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there you, you go. You provided – so much to our show and you know bringing these players and, and talking about the draft and the eyes that you're looking at when you're evaluating you guys we really appreciate that well i mean i'm just i'm i'm, I'm honored to be mentioned in the same breath with those guys <laughs> and that you you know you, you appreciate my insight enough to bring me back for a second time uh it's been fun kind of going through this list with you guys no doubt and before we let you go we cannot let you go without asking you about NBA hoops. It's the playoffs. Who do you got coming out the East? Who do you got coming out the West? Uh, man, well, I haven't, I honestly have not even given it that much thought. I've been so wrapped <laughs> up and immersed. I've been, I've been so immersed with this draft yeah. stuff. I've been up to my neck in it. I think, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to sort of ease off of that as, as we get closer to draft night and yep. be able to really dive in and, and lock in on the NBA playoffs. So, I mean, I'm guessing, I mean, you're from the Jersey Philly area. So I'm guessing you're a Sixers yeah. fan, right? Yeah, I love the Sixers. I just don't know how far they're able to uh, go. There it he's is. honest. Gonna, yeah, he's honest. honest. <laughs> I like they're, it. He's they're honest. Gonna go, they're going to go as far as Joel Embiid can take them. Unfortunately, they haven't surrounded them with enough, uh, uh, you know, sustained talent around him. Like, I mean, I don't know that I have a ton of confidence in, you know, Tobias or Harden's a little bit of a streaky player. So we're going to have to see how it goes. I mean, and, and it would have to take the ideal scenario for them to really go far, in my opinion. Yeah, don't worry. They're not going to go but so far. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. They, I mean, they look good right now. They like, do. they look good against the Raptors, and Harden's not even balling out like I thought he would. So we'll see how it goes. But we're going to let you get out of here, man. Thank you, as always. Your show, by the way, is phenomenal. <laughs> the, oh, the, well, the, the draft? Yes. 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 Oh, I'm glad you guys like that, man. Yeah. You know, listen, that, that was something that, uh, Jeff Mosher and I, who are always in constant communication, it was one of those things where, and I don't know if you guys know this, but when I first really broke into the the journalism world, if you will, it, it was really by identifying a lot of these, not maybe not small school standouts, but it was about guys that I thought weren't getting enough praise and yeah. Was yeah. kind of flying under the radar. And I just had a natural eye for that. And I wanted to shed some light on that, whether it was a Chandon Sullivan when he was on the Eagles as mm -hmm. an undrafted free agent, nobody knew who he was, or you can look at different examples throughout the draft. And a lot of these guys have landed places and also made impact. So Jeff and I were talking, we said, how can we really, we should be able to, we should try and maximize this and take advantage of your ability to identify these guys. And yeah. let's get, let's see if we can share their story. It's a different concept than what you're seeing out there. And I mean, I mean, I just been able to share so many cool stories and uh, sort of sort of help them become household names. So yeah. when you're watching day three, you're in your mind, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember hearing about Jeffrey Gunther from Coastal Carolina. Yeah. And by the way, I Zion. love him. Jeffrey Gunther. Yeah, he's a yeah. baller. <laughs> like, oh, he is a and, baller. And a, great, I know. <laughs> and a great interview and a great guy. And yeah. you know, I had such a great I mean, if you hadn't had a chance to watch the. The chat that I had with Zion McCollum, I really encourage that because we, we talked for just shy of 30 minutes and you, you'll just come away impressed 
with his 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 mature mindset. He's got a twin brother also in the draft. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, and, and and just his whole. I mean, we talk about the combine. We talk about the Senior Bowl. Which he's actually an Eagles fan. So wow. you'll, we'll have to find out. We have to we have to <laughs> watch the find, find out why and how. Yeah. So yeah, check check him out. I think you guys will really enjoy it. I will definitely look into him. But uh, we appreciate all your time. You know, we thank you for you know setting that time apart for us. We we definitely don't take it lightly, and we hope to have you on again sometime soon. <laughs> guys, it's been a pleasure. Just let me know. I'd love to you know rejoin you, and we'll talk about whatever. All right, man. For Andrew, sure, man. appreciate you. <laughs> Later, Andrew. Take care, guys. All right. Man, Andrew really brought it again. Yeah. That dude has a different lens <laughs> and a keen eye for talent, underrated talent, and he can evaluate some players, man. He's great. That that was Andrew DeCheco, reporter and producer for InsideTheBirds.com. I'm going to plug him if he don't. <laughs> <laughs> and just like Teron, he really had no pick for the <laughs> For, for, for the NBA. They're really knee-deep in it, man. Yeah. Like, they clearly don't have time for the NBA right now. Draft coming up, so I'm sure they're working around the clock. Nine days away. Yeah, they are, they are working around the clock to get them set. The good thing is, we got some time. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk basketball, man, and let's jump straight to it, which what I think is going to be the best series so far, and that's Brooklyn and Boston. Kyrie dropped 39 on an empty stomach. No food. <laughs> like... Ramadan Kyrie, yeah. <laughs> Ramadan Kyrie, out here booming, giving people the middle finger, <laughs> saying some wild things During in Ramadan. the press conference, <laughs> getting fined fifty k, and it's only been game one, yeah. man. It's only been game one. We seen how it ended. Jason Tatum came with the spin move layup to end the game, buzzer beater. Who do you think wins this series, and what do you think is going to happen in game two? It's going seven games for one. Uh, I think the Nets are going to win this in seven games. They should have won game one. Yeah, um, I agree. If, and if I'm you know, going to put blame on somebody, it was Kevin Durant on that last possession because he had a man in Jason Tatum. He let him slip behind him, and that's why Kyrie had – then he, he jumped at the top of the key, and it was Kyrie one-on-one with him. Kyrie was too late to react, and it was a layup by Jason Tatum, man. They should have won that game. It's hard for me to really evaluate that play because that's like a bang-bang possession at the very end of the game. You think it's only like maybe a second or two left. So I, I did see Tatum slip behind KD, and KD got caught looking in yep. no man's land, yep. obviously. But I thought, honestly, that Marcus Smart was going to put up a shot too. And when he pump-faked two defenders, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you that means that obviously – some somebody's open, yeah. so I think KD jumped to the top of the key, thinking Jason Tatum was there. Obviously, with eyes on the ball, mm-hmm. and it was just enough time left for Tatum to slip by and get that layup. But the takeaways I took from this game was KD played a bad game for he the played, most part. He was terrible from jump. Yeah, KD didn't have a good game. I also credit Boston's defense. Yeah, they were clamping up. Jason yeah. Tatum was clamping up. Yeah, Jalen Brown was clamping up, and they were being very physical with Brooklyn. And I think that that kind of caught the Nets off guard. And let me tell you something. Bruce Brown, bully. Oh, that, yeah, that's what I want to hear. <laughs> All game long. They were bullying him. That's why KD told him to shut up. Yeah, man. serious. Yo, just hoop. Just hoop, bro. <laughs> you don't Stop score talking. no points. <laughs> yeah, just hoop. Like, yo, I don't need you to talk. You're not yeah. Kevin Durant. Like, <laughs> like, I don't need you to talk. I think the Nets are in trouble if they lose game two. Without question. I do. If they I, lose game two, if they lose game two tomorrow yeah. night, they will lose the series. Yeah, I, th- I think the Nets are in trouble. I don't think KD will have a bad game like he did the first game, no, obviously. I think he's scoring 30. And, yeah, I think he's scoring 30 the rest of the series. Yeah. I think he's scoring 30 the rest of the series. Kyrie's definitely capable of scoring 30 the rest of the series. And I think that playing in Boston gives him extra motivation. We've seen how he was feeding into mm-hmm. it, and I had no problems at all. Uh, me either. With his comments saying, if the fans are going to dish it out, I'm, I'm going to give it right too. back. Yeah. That's what energy. you want. Yeah, if, I like that. Keep if you're that the NBA, energy. that should be what you exactly, want. Exactly, yeah. I don't understand same, why he got fined. Yeah, keep, well, he got fined because, one, he was flipping, the, he was flipping, you know, fans off. And in that press conference, I don't know if you heard yeah, it. Yeah, I heard it. But he, he, he got a little chaotic <laughs> in there <laughs> with the language. Yeah. So he needs to dial it back a little bit in the presser. But, yeah, I'm all for giving that same energy. Like if they're if they're gonna you know mock you call you out of your name yeah go off and talk back yeah like like yeah. talk back as long as it doesn't resort to violence like hey man all is fair in loving basketball that's what <laughs> that's what he said that's what he said so I'm for it I still have the Nets in seven but that's gonna be a very very interesting series I want to get to the Sixers because they are looking really good right now and the Raptors are you know 
Yeah. The Raptors look horrible. Oh, I let Joel Embiid do all the junk talk. He like he told he told Nick Nurse, yeah. you don't have anybody that can guard exactly. me. Facts. <laughs> and yo, respectfully, shut up and, yeah. and stop complaining about foul calls, right. which is fire. You're triple teaming me. I'm getting yeah. every play. <laughs> which, which is a fire comment to tell an opposing head coach. I want to talk about James Harden though. Harden, uh, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I really don't know. This isn't the Harden that I expected. Me either. Per se, he's not really doing anything incredible. He's kind of just playing a role. I think the Maxi being the the two essentially being number two right yeah. now, essentially on that team behind Embiid, is something that I didn't expect. Um, I don't think the Sixers really expected that either. But do you think this role for Harden is what's best for Philly? No. I think, A, we haven't seen explosive James Harden in like a year and a half, for one. This is true. We have seen facilitator James Harden, point guard James Harden, and he still don't play no defense, James Harden. <laughs> but I just feel like right now, James Harden, he just looks too comfortable and laid back for me. Like, I feel like this is the playoffs. You should be lighting these dudes up, especially dudes that aren't, on your level that are yeah. guarding you, you yeah. should be cooking these dudes. Like, yeah. and he's not. He's deferring. He's always, you know, the pick and roll is there. He won't. He won't dribble penetration and and just you know attack them. He will dribble and kick. And that's that's where you know I don't know if you're facing like they're gonna sweep. You know, Toronto. They're gonna play Miami next, and that's not gonna fly in Miami. You're right. I'm telling you that right now. We seen what Miami just did to Trey Young. Exactly. He had eight points. You're huh. gonna need to score the basketball, and I don't. I, he needs to get that aggressive mindset back from when he was in Houston. And I don't know if we're gonna see that James Harden again, but he needs to re like relive that because that's what Philly needs right now. They need somebody to be a Batman to a Joel Embiid. I'm sorry, Robin to Joe and beats Batman. Yeah, and it's it's not supposed to be Maxi. Maxi's right. playing incredible right now, playing some really good basketball. Maxi's supposed to be Alfred. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Like that, Alfred. But yeah, I, th- I think there's a thin line between letting the game come to you and being aggressive and going and taking over the game. And James Harden is somebody that we look at as somebody that can take over a game. And it seems like he's kind of just taking, you know, what the defense is yeah. giving him, not really being overly aggressive or not being aggressive at all per se. Mm-hmm. Like he's not shooting that much he you know he's definitely deferring a lot and he's kind of he looks very calm and relaxed out there and you just want to see a little bit more fire a little bit more intensity a little bit more aggression emotion and he's just kind of just coasting right now and I don't know if he's saving it for the next series because we we know that they're going to advance and beat Toronto but yeah he that's not going to fly against Miami like those boys the goons per se from Dade County County. (laughs) are are not here to play with you they're not here to be buddy buddy and soft with you so I I don't know like I really don't know if we're going to see that Harden do I think it's going to work for this series yes but I do think that next series he's going to have to step up and be the Harden that can drop 30 on any given night. He's going to have to be one of those guys because Embiid can't do it alone. Let me tell you something. And I can't wait. I can't wait till that series happens because if it if we get to that series, Sixers versus Miami, and they got Kyle Lowry locking up Chase Harden. I'll stop watching basketball, bro. I promise. If Kyle Lowry's guarding Harden and Harden only has 14 points, I will not be. I will not be participating in basketball. For y'all that talk. don't know, this I man will not be participating. Hates Kyle Lowry. I, I will not be participating in basketball talk if that's the case. I won't, bro. Straight up. <laughs> Speaking of Miami, Miami looks like they're gonna wrap up the Hawks here fairly, fairly quickly, yeah. and I think the same for the Bucks against the Bulls. Mm-hmm. Which one of those teams, Bucks or Bulls? I mean, excuse me, Bucks or Heat? Do you think is going to have any any trouble, if any, in their respective series, or who can who can put up the most fight, the Bulls against the Bucks, or the Hawks against the Heat? It's going to have to be the Hawks against the Heat because I don't give the Bulls any chance. <laughs> they might get swept. See, for me, I think that. And the thing is, Giannis didn't even have his best game. He wasn't on the floor a lot, which he, means he, he wasn't on the floor a lot. It's about to get ugly for the Bulls, like ugly. Yeah, the Bulls haven't been good, like you said, since All Star break. Yeah, like, like since they fell like six slots. <laughs> it it's hard for for me. I would still say the Bulls can put up more of a fight because Trey Young is dolo to me. He he's out there alone, and they. I just feel like the perimeter yeah. defense of Miami just too many players to put on him. 
he he's gonna struggle. Like here's, here's my thing they, with that. They though. can switch on mm-hmm. they can switch on everybody with the pick and roll, and I get it. I feel like Ice Trey is a dog. Like he has the mentality. He's gonna at least I think tonight he's gonna put up at least twenty five. Trey shots. Young can win you one game. Yes, that's what I'm one. saying. Agree. I don't know if the Bulls are gonna win a game, I, and and I say that because you look at what's transpiring with that Bulls team right now. Vucevic, he is, was hooping though. He was. He was hooping. But guess what? He was hooping. There are times where defensively, he is nowhere to be found. Agreed. And Gian, again, Giannis didn't even really play last game. Game one, he really didn't play, and he didn't play his best game either. Imagine when Giannis really <laughs> is going at him and see what happens. No, I mean, I agree. I think that the Bulls have an overall better team than Atlanta. So I, would I, say, I agree with that. So I think yeah. I think the Bulls team can put up more of a fight than Trey Young putting up the fight by himself. I think Trey Young is literally I on think, an island right I now. I think that Atlanta is way more gritty than the Bulls are. And you can tell that by the competitive wins. Atlanta plays, you know, the upper tier teams. They play them extremely tough. Yeah. And I mean extremely tough. The Bulls, I don't think they beat a top. They didn't, uh, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't be the top three team in the East or West. Yeah. this season, I think. Yeah, it's, they have not. It's like zero and whatever. Yeah, so it, it hasn't been great. Yeah, <laughs> it, it hasn't been great. We'll see. I think these game twos right here. I think if the Heat come out and put up a twenty point win against the yeah. Hawks again, um, yeah, it's, it's curtains. curtains. Swept, yeah. swept. It's curtains. Let's jump to the West Coast, man, where we have the Warriors putting up a clinic on the MVP and the Joker. Got the team spiraling. Man, the like, boys frustrated. Denver fighting each other yeah. over there. Bo- Boogie pissed off. Martin. <laughs> Joker just ejecting himself. He ain't want to be there. Bruh, it's the, so bad. The, the new Death Star lineup, man. Are you afraid as a Suns fan? No. And I've, I've openly admitted all season long that in the Western Conference, our competition is the Warriors. Like, I feel like. If but they're they're looking like the Warriors now. Like they were the Warriors when Clay, you know, yeah. Clay was coming back. They were still getting their feet under them, but they're healthy. They're healthy now, and they're playing that small ball lineup mm-hmm. that we seen the Warriors play of of old, and they look good. They look good, and I, look good. again, I I think that they are the most you know you know threatening to uh, you know the Phoenix yep. Suns. Yep, I still think that the Suns. Are going to take them seven games, and okay. I don't whoever whatever the result is is going to be the result. Okay, but I think that series is seven games. Should the Warriors get past the Grizzlies? Are the Grizzlies going to get past the Timberwolves? We'll see. Because <laughs> <laughs> let's look I at mean, that. Edwards, we, Edwards, at least. <laughs> hey, Man, Edwards has a, a lot to say, yeah. and so does Pat Bev in that jersey toss that he yeah. had. <laughs> <laughs> they won the title, bro. If the Grizzlies somehow lose this game two tonight. Are they, in, are they in trouble? Yeah, it's over. Because you, do you think you're going to win two straight games in Minnesota? No. No, not with those fans. No. You saw what happened when they won the playing game. What do you think <laughs> happened in that game one? That Because we both thought, I thought that the Grizzlies would win this series in five. Yeah. Six at the max. What do you th- I think? I, I think at minimum this is going six. I really think the Timberwolves have a legit shot in this series they now. They can win the series. Well, yeah, what do you think uh, changed, I guess, for the Grizzlies, a team that's regular season been great the whole season like, yeah. without Ja, with Ja, and it seems like they just kind of got hit in the mouth and didn't know how to react. And I feel like they've been the team mm-hmm. that's been very physical. You you heard Ja all season. We want all the yeah. smoke. And in game one, they were not the aggressors. And that's where they went wrong from get-go, Cat. Edwards, yeah. they were going at them yeah. boys without any remorse. I have never seen Carl Anthony Towns play like that. Not as aggressive, yeah. not on both ends. He dunking, he, he tried yeah, to yelling he, at he, people. He wasn't settling for threes. He was going to the rack. I've never seen Cat. I liked it. Play like that. I liked it. And he, you know, he had to play like that because the game before he was awful. Uh, but he, he, he quit on his team. Yeah, <laughs> he quit on it. He quit. He quit on his team against but the Clippers. He played. An exceptional basketball game. You know who's a star is Anthony Edwards. And guess what? He's not afraid of nobody. Nope. He took it to LeBron. Yep. <laughs> he took it to Steph Curry. He's going to dunk on you. <laughs> he took it like he's taking it to the highest, you know, the best teams in the league. Anthony Edwards is here. He's arrived and he wants, you know, you put your best defender on him. He's still cooking him. Like, <laughs> 
I think he was with averaging what twenty six game, twenty six a game or something cooking. like that. Like he, he's looking, he's looking really good. He looks phenomenal. And he, he, and he he can shoot, like he can shoot, and, for, and he definitely yeah. will dunk on you. And for such a young player, yeah. he already has an NBA body. Yeah, he yeah. came in a league he's, with an NBA yeah, body. Like he's not a small, he's not yeah. a small guy. He will body you. Like, like he, he's not a small guy. He's not afraid to play defense. He's not afraid to go get crash the boards. Yeah. Like he he just has a young mind. That's and it. And will pull up in your face. Yeah, like he has a he has a young carefree mind. And I yeah. love that. Like I feel like once he gets that, he has aggression. But mm. once he gets the, I think that dog. Like yo, like nah, it's time for me to take over. Yeah, he's gonna be a problem. Yes. yes. That being said, who do you have winning game two? <laughs> I got the Grizzlies coming back and winning this game. Yeah, I have the Grizzlies winning game two just because I feel like they have to. I think this is a oh, must. Guess win. what? They lose. I'm telling you, they lose this game. It's cooked. Yeah. They're over. I think. I think this is a must. Drop win. two straight at home is not good. The last series I want to talk about the Lucas Mavs <laughs> behind Jalen Brunson with a crazy performance last night. Still won against the Jazz, who I call the regular season Gonzaga. Yeah, they're great in the regular season. They've been terrible. Not in the not good. Not good in the postseason. Should the Jazz lose this series? Do you think they need to blow that team up? Yeah. They should have blew it up last year, to be honest, huh. when they lost. You know, they were up 3-1 and let the Clippers come yep. back on with just Paul George. Yeah. This so is this is this is a situation. If you're Donovan Mitchell, luckily Dwayne Wade is a part of the ownership group, so that kind of helps them. But they need to get this right. Gobert has to go. They shipped off. Uh, you're like the third person to say that Gobert needs to go. He has to go. Why Why? why does Gobert because need to go? Because he, he is a, a liability. He's a liability. On on the offensive end? On both ends. Uh, <laughs> on both ends. I, I, it's hard for me to because, say he's a liability on defense. One, because he's won Defensive Player of the Year multiple times. But, and but, he gets like 15 boards a game. So I feel like he does cool and all. his part. And block shots as well. That's cool and all. But when you're on offense and you can't do anything but dunk or alley-oops, you can't shoot the ball. This and is then true. on defense, they spread you out. You have no place on the floor. You can't you can't get out to the defender. You're trying to crash and, and make blocks, and there's always a wide open man in the corner, and you can't get over fast enough because you're too big. Like that's why teams have been consistently eliminating in the last two years. The Clippers, what they do? Trey Mann had 41 points just standing in the corner shooting threes on him. Same thing the, happened the, here. No, yeah, game two. Ma- the, the Jazz gave up three three pointers in the last two minutes Maxi, of the game in the corner. All Maxi in the corner. Kleber <laughs> was lighting him All up in, in the, the corner. corner. Dorian Finney Smith. Lighting them up in the corner. Like, this is Dimwitty. a problem. Same thing. This is three straight years in a row where the Jazz are losing the same exact way. This is true. Getting lit up in the corner because the teams go small ball and Gobert can't get out to defend them. And it's not like you have great perimeter defenders. Yeah. Dolphin Mitchell's not a great defender. Like, Royce O'Neal's not a great perimeter defender. And Mike Conley. So these guys yeah, are getting to the paint. And you have no choice if you're Rudy Gobert to slide in to try to help. And then the corner's wide open, driving kick, driving kick, and they're killing them every single time. And it's crazy because I believe games one and two, uh, at several points of the game, the Jazz were up 13, 14, 15 Yeah, points. they should have they won that game. They should have won game clo- two. They should have closed those games out. out. Yep. And they could not do it because they are getting lit up by the same exact play every time. Yeah. It is literally the same exact play every time. The funniest thing is I, I definitely thought that the Mavs needed to – you know, win one of those games just yeah. to stay in the series. But now that the news is out that Luca will be back in game three or four, it's over. If they can steal one in Utah, yeah, I I love the Mavs to advance this series. I picked them to advance before the series yeah. started, just hoping that Luca could play by game three mm-hmm. or four. Didn't think that they would honestly win the first, one of the first two games. I feel like the Jazz often play with their food per se, yeah, and they don't know how to close, and they they do lose the same way all the time. Three straight years. And I feel like, yeah, they've just slowly but surely just come down. Just yeah. come down. And it's, yeah, it's rough for them. I feel bad for Donovan Mitchell because he's a hooper. Yeah. Like, Mitchell's a hooper, man, but you're not going to win in Utah. Here's what I'm going to say about Donovan Mitchell, though. Games one, game one, and then there's a few games before playoffs started. In the fourth quarter, he has been atrocious knocking down shots. It's been bad. Like, it's been less than, like, 30% bad. Yeah. It's crunch time. It's playoffs. It's time for you to put the team on your back in the fourth quarter. No, I agree 100%. Like, you have to close these games yeah. out. Especially if you have, like, a seven or eight-point lead with, like, five minutes left. Right. There's no reason for you to blow these leads. ISO. Every there, time. There, yeah, there's no reason. Yeah, if you got to shoot 30 times a game, do it. Do it. Like, do, do it. You're the best player on the team. Exactly. Like, you need, you have to do what it takes to win because, 
yeah, first round exit, it, it, it's not going to be a good look. Right. W- w- and Luca didn't play, so let's say, half the series. That's not a good look. Exactly. That's that's not a good look. Because we know Luca's going to be the best player on the floor right. when he gets there. Right. Like, so that's not a good look. And that's 30 points waiting every night. <laughs> yeah. 30. <laughs> 30. That's that's 30. That's a triple double potentially yeah. waiting every night. We know how Luca gets it up on the yep. stat sheet. All right, man. That's all I got, man. Well, we have a few quick takes I want to get to real quick. Debo, Scary Terry, and AJ Brown all holding out, trying to get that new receiver money, man. That bag is being tossed around in the NFL. Yeah. Especially for these receivers. Which one of these do you think is the most valuable to their franchise? Debo. He does everything. Because he does everything. Because <laughs> <laughs> he does everything. Which one do you think is going to get paid first? AJ Brown. AJ Brown. AJ Brown. Yeah, AJ Brown came out and said some wild stuff yeah, on he Twitter. Was some yeah, crazy he, stuff. Yeah, AJ Brown's really not happy out there now. Okay, now I'm a cancer and all this. Like he, yeah. he was pretty fed up. I don't even know who was saying that about. They better not been Ryan Tanner though. We know that, <laughs> bro. <laughs> you know, now we're gonna moving on, moving on, Mo- moving on. I wanted to mention that Kyrie did get fined 50k for <laughs> everything that happened to him. Do you think Leave that was enough? That man alone. Do you, do you think? Do you think the fine was justified? It was too much. <laughs> I was reading something that they can't really find you over 50K because then, the like, he, he, yeah, that's the max is he yeah. can pursue legal action right. after that. So I kind of get why they did it. I, I personally don't think he should have been fined 50K because I don't think, you know, what he said was crazy. I don't yeah. think what he did was insane. I feel yeah. like he was. You can't, you can't do that on national television. Yeah, I get the middle. I mean, you the got middle kids. Thing, it's like, come on, man. Like, it was kids literally behind <laughs> exactly. them. Exactly. Right, right behind you. You're seeing those middle fingers. Like, let, let's tone it down a bit. But I'm all for the trash talk. Yeah, me too. I'm all, I'm all for I the love trash it. I'm all for the trash. And the talk, Boston man. fans hate him. Oh, literally. oh my gosh. Literally, I don't even know how you root for Boston. Like, like I don't I don't know Boston. When I look at the Boston fans, I look at I look at like a Patriots fan. Or or a Duke fan. Or or a Duke fan. Like equivalent to those people. Anyway, man, that's all I got. I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank everyone for tuning in. Black Lives Matter. They always matter and will forever matter. Guys, clearly, as Paul George has shown us, COVID is still out here. <laughs> so please. Please mask up if you need to get vaccinated. Um, I don't, I don't know. I think it's Matisse Thibault that took just one Bruh, vaccine. One, like, bro, <laughs> Pfizer's two, <laughs> Moderna's two, bro. Like, like, what are you, what are you proving? You can't say y'all I'm against the vaccine and just get one. Like, what, what are we doing here? Like, like, what, like, seriously, what are we doing? So, guys, get vaccinated. It, it, the summer is almost here. Like, the weather is heating up, so we know you want to get outside. Mm-hmm. You want to travel. You want to be outside. Let's do it safely. Continue to keep all those in your prayers that need them, the ones in Ukraine for sure. And just continue to support us, guys. We really appreciate y'all, you know, taking this time to listen to the podcast. And this this series that we have, like, we are dropping some gems in here. This is really, really good information pre-draft. So, yeah, guys, check us out. Yeah, this has been, you know, again, another successful uh, NFL draft, pre-draft, I should yep, say. pre-draft series. Um, NFL drafts in a week, guys. This yeah. is this is what is it? You know where we're at. You know, crunch time. Yeah, nitty gritty, right? Yep. Like this, this is where we're at. So you know, appreciate all you know the listening and pay attention. I have gotten received some feedback from yep. you know last week's show. So this is really good, and I appreciate everybody you know listening in and supporting. And Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Come on, man. Spotify, like, I, can't, I, can't, I can't be naming your All tags. these other platforms, <laughs> you guys know. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, be better than Paul George and Matisse Thabo. Get vaccinated. Fight COVID. I'm out of here. Nope. Really solid. Ain't no debate. No way. Ain't no escape. Big dog eating off the plate. Cool breeze. Mops with the same. Flexed up now. John Cena. Rocked up more than Serena. Wife a baddie looking like Nia. More drip. More than a leader. I'm at the wood. I said I would get. No mediocre. I'm feeling like tip. Sound like to me. We got us a hit. They can't even drip line. So savvy. is a swag daddy. Red eye flights out to Cali. Holding bags looking like a caddy. Penthouse vibes. No addy.